Hello. Oh, hello, Marilyn. How are you? You're so stealthy. Yeah. Yes. And I yes. try. I try. Hmm. Doesn't feel like you try. It feels like you do. Hmm. Ooh. But what I'm saying is, like, I'll be looking. I'll say, like, do I have time <laughs> to uh, make a coffee or you know go make a Baba Duke? But uh, and and I'll see that you're not lit up. In Skype. Right. Right. You know, Car- Carmine says says no boys, and and here there is one. Right. <laughs> you pop right up. Yeah. Luckily, I I have precedence for the Baba Duke title. Boy, it's earlier than it used to be. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how much earlier? Yes, it is? I really have noticed that, especially recently. I may have to capitulate. I may have to capitulate to your desire for schedule changing. Just, I mean, I'm it's not just a, an it, offer. In, in, these, in these challenging times, in these shoes, mm. in this economy, I uh, I am not really on top of my game. I mean, adjusted um, horror show adjusted. If it's like six thirty for me right now, really, you know. Well, I don't know. Um, time's kind of a, you know, the past is a grotesque animal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. All right. Uh, I guess we're going to do this. Are we doing this? I mean, let's try it. At least give it a shot. What's going on in your neck of the woods, Dan? How are the grackles doing? They're good. Oh, no, grackles. They're, no, they're good. They're really strong. They got, they got, uh, they got throwing, they got defense, but they really need coaching. The grackles. <laughs> that would be a great team name, wouldn't it? It would be such a great team name. Um, let's see. Let me turn on Do Not Disturb. D-N-D. Go, D- D-N-D. D-N-D because you are D-T-R. I am D-2-C. Down to clown. Oh, I like that. D-T phone. <laughs> no. <laughs> I am down to phone home. You want to start the show? Yeah, let's go ahead and give it a shot. Why not? I say yes. Um, yes. I have something worse than I have worse than nothing, which is that I have a little bit. <laughs> so I would I say nothing, a lot of people would say a little bit is good. Just they'll take out just enough to beat you. That's what Milton Berle would say. I don't know why I'm so saucy this morning. Yeah, you're on fire today. Am I? <laughs> oh, I think you are. Okay, pat that, like, that out. All right, let me get this coffee going. All right, stripped. Uh, okay. What kind of coffee are you making? Are you doing the pour over or are you doing the AeroPress or what? Yeah. Yeah. Actually I've been, uh, I've been trying to figure out how to clean my, my clever dripper without ruining it. Hmm. And what they say on the website, it is said that you just pour hot water in it every time after you use it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's enough to cleanse it. The nipple at the bottom is a little brown and I, I don't, I'm not loving that. It gets all the juices in there. You know, over time. Uh-huh, yeah. The coffee you know, juices. you know what they say, um, that you just soak it in a little bit of vinegar uh-huh. and then your coffee tried, will taste like vinegar that. for a month. For a month. Mm-hmm. Because it gets in the crevasse. That's right. It never comes out. Never. I tried a little bit, uh, a diluted vinegar solution. Cause you know, water, you know, it's the, uh, it's the ultimate solvent. Wawa. Wawa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we were. Yes. So I do that. I tried that and I'm like, eh, yeah. And still not quite getting the results I want. See, I really, I really uh, ate, uh, ate the booger by using too much of that espresso cleaner stuff and it made it cloudy. I think I damaged the plastics mm-hmm. and the brown nipple. Mm-hmm. There's a nipple and an areola. The, the nipple is the part that sticks up and then around it is a gasket like seal, a rubbery seal. Okay. Ooh, ooh, ooh. 
Huh. More of a sea lion. Not that kind of. <laughs> God, mm. what's wrong with me? I don't know. Are you tired? Are you tired? Are you I'm, alert? Um, you know, I, I'm telling you, I'm, I, my time has, well, first of all, I just keep going to bed later is what's happening. I go to bed later, but I'm also, uh, see, this is, I'm, this is of all the weeks. This is the week I am least inclined to complain about my personal psychic problems. But you know what? I mean, there's still space for that. Not every, there, there needs to be a place for people to go. That's not what they're going to see on every, in every other place. Mm hmm. Hmm. Um, I well, I agree with that. Um, and there's a thing that I, that I think about sometimes, and this is not a a, a popular point of view, um, because somebody will find a way to get mad at this no matter what. But mm-hmm. it's my belief in life that not everything can be everything. Um, and and once everything becomes everything, then it's all kind of nothing. So you know, uh, like when I do something like, for example, let's have a a a less controversial example. When I put out, make a list of something, you know, and I say something like, you know, here's, you know, um, five funny things that are on Netflix right now. Mm -hmm. Or here is like 30 movies you might want to check out that are weird and good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I understand the impulse, but, but people will say, what do they say? You forgot. They say, you forgot. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, and then, it, yes, then they're going to inform you into what you forgot. And you say, I say, you say, uh, I did not, I take your point because I've done that too. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the kind of person, so like imagine somebody said to John Syracuse, you know, um, there's all these really, uh, you know, the, the greatest uh, Star Wars movies are, you know, four, six, one, two, and three. And I could see John Syracuse saying, well, what, you forgot Empire Strikes Back. Right. The problem is that not everything can be everything. Yeah. And, and if it is everything, then it's kind of nothing. So no, I didn't forget that. It's just that I, if I put everything on a list, it's not an exhaustive list of every movie I could think of because I believe, you know, based on factors that that's not useful to people. Once you make everything about everything, then it's kind of about nothing. Sometimes you have to be, sometimes there's specificity in what, what we say and there's importance in what we don't say. I learned that in the South, ironically enough. You know, if um, everybody has uh, powers, then, then no one does. No, wait a minute. Is that, uh, Brad Bird <laughs> said that? Yeah, sure. Ayn Rand. Who said that? The Rand Corporation? The, um, Rand Paul. Ron Paul Revolution? It, what was his name? Synapse? Isn't that his Synapse. Name? Or Shocker? Oh, uh, or whatever syndrome. 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 Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it's only, it's only been like 10 years since I saw that. So. <laughs> What is what is the great line? Uh, you're not affi- I'm not affiliated with you. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's everybody's pretty shredded right now. Some people oh, yeah. win more shredded than others, and you know, it's swole is the term they use now. I know, ripped, ripped like lettuce mm-hmm. with a ninja turtle. Yeah, I, I know. I but I I uh, I don't know. Um, what do I know? Last week I. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm, I have follow up, but there's nothing to the follow up. I, I I haven't heard from anybody who tried the. Did anybody try the eight minute test last week? Is a question that I had. This is where you close your eyes and breathe one <laughs> one breath for eight eyes. minutes. One breath That's for optional. eight minutes. Yeah. Okay. Is you mainly can't look at the clock. I'm going to guess nobody did it because I didn't hear anything. Are people still listening to the show, Dan? Are you able to tell from the numbers? I can't tell, but I think some people are still. There's a couple, couple yeah. still doing it. Yeah. 
Um, with that said, uh, I did see a couple. This might be something to talk about or might not. I have nothing prepared for this, but mm. I was buoyed to hear from a couple listeners who said they liked the discussion that I admittedly also liked, which was talking about trying to reframe uh, negative thoughts and feelings. Uh, something we were talking about in our last segment last yes. week that I thought turned out pretty well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if the accident will, we could perhaps uh, talk more about that. I would like that. That'd be cool. Um, so I guess that's pretty much it. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Let's button it up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wheels, wheels down in five. <laughs> uh, it's, yes, it's a weird time. And I think that's a useful conversation to have. I think anything that helps people reframe, because, you know, you can't, you can't look at anything. You can't see anything without either... Either you're seeing something horrible that's happening right now uh-huh. or you're feeling bad for the fact that you, you have it good and you're not involved in something that's horrible happening right now. Those are like the two emotions that I can feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm like I say, of all, of all weeks, this is the week I feel least inclined to piss and moan about how my feelings are operating right now. But mm-hmm. Uh, as somebody, <laughs> there is no dependent clause here. Um, it's, um, it's difficult to feel, uh, so much accumulating acute pain about what's happening, uh, in the United States and, uh, and then to see what happens after that acute pain, just be the source of more acute pain. That that's part of the frustration. It has been for Oh, I don't know, something like three and a half years. It's been mm-hmm. really difficult to say, well, this has got to be it. Along the lines of the classic Max Temkin uh, tweet, uh, which he deleted a long time ago, we got him this time. Oh, surely, surely <laughs> good people on both sides. You know, we, we could just, you know, shut the blinds and turn off the electric. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're done here, right? You know, um, yeah. but that was a while back and everything's still cruising along. Oh, kids in cages, huh? <laughs> you know, pack your bags and move away. Mm-hmm. Whoa, wrap it up. We're done. Roll credits. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the reframing thing. Yeah, I don't know. We, don't, we could we could work our way into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? We talk. We talk about uh, we <laughs> talk about media we enjoy. Yeah. So, what have you been watching? We'll start there. That's always a good. I just saw. I just saw. I just saw a a beloved teacher from um, my kids' elementary school. That's a long title for a show. Um, it's it's it's. I think it's from Viva Hate. I think it's a Morrissey (laughs) song. But um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) hey, he's back. He's back. I was riding my Segway past the coffee place. We haven't heard from him in a long time. A long time. Um. It's pretty weird though, because I was, uh, as you do, I was, uh, I was riding, riding my Segway with, with my uh, mask, and I saw uh, a pair of eyes that looked really familiar, and I went, "Huh, that really looks like a that one teacher, really, really awesome kindergarten teacher, like a very learned, scholarly, kind, sweet, you know, mm-hmm. he's the source of that sign that we talked about a long time ago." that says something like, um, fairness is not everybody getting the same thing. Fairness is everybody getting what they need. 
which he had a very colorful crayon sign on the classroom door. And uh, I still think about that a lot. Anyway, I, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go back and look. And yeah. I, I turned my Segway around, wearing my mask. And I was like, hey, Mr. Name. Hey, Mr. Name. I said, it's, it's me. I'm, I'm, and I said, my daughter's name. And he's like, yeah, hi, how are you? Because we used to talk about Matt Fraction Comics all the time. And, uh, and he's just a really, really cool guy. It's just so wild. And as you know, as you know, Dan, I'm already, uh, again, sorry about my feelings, very vulnerable. I'm very emotional right now. It, it doesn't take much no. to, to just make me a little weepy right now. But it was pretty wild because uh, we both really need haircuts and we're both wearing masks and I can't go and shake his hand. And mm-hmm. I just, I was like, oh, you know, I didn't know, but what do you say? I gave, I gave without shaking hands as he's trying to get his coffee in the car. I'm like, oh, and this is what's going on. And this is what's happening. And, you know, she's 12 now. And like, how's, how's your daughter? And, you know, going on and on about that. And, um, I don't know. It was just, and then I, I just kind of out of nowhere, I busted a gut and was like saying like, oh, you know, it was, it was so nice to be, um, around you and the way that you taught and. Really grateful for uh, what you brought to the school. Why would I say that to a grown man on the sidewalk? It probably meant something to him, morning. right? I mean, didn't it mean yeah. something to him? Yeah, I would. Nice I would love thing. to hear I, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's weird. And then I, um, you know, said I'll email you, send you some pictures and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty wild time. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. It's weird. Um, what were we talking about? Reframing. Reframing. Uh, should, should we do that? Yes. I think mm-hmm. it would be excellent to do. I don't have anything prepared. I'm just going to have to wing it. Is that well, all right? Those are my favorite ones. The ones where you don't prepare. Don't yeah. prepare. Uh, the notion was, um, we, you had, um, you, uh, you had Columboed me a little bit at the end of the last, uh, episode and, and wanted to talk about the ability to nap and how. Oh, right. Uh, yes. Yes. Napping. Yeah, I think he, I, I, I think and napping and knowing knowing if it's beneficial. How do you do it without feeling crummy afterwards? How do you right? How do you? And gain, I was just I was trying to amplify. System. I was trying to amplify that one particular aspect of it, which had been a struggle for me, and I feel like is a struggle for a lot of people. Listen, don't worry. This is not actually about napping. This is just that's the MacGuffin to get us into this. Okay. And what I think, uh, what I said was that I've realized as a person who wanted to nap more and felt like I needed to nap more, somebody who felt like I benefited from napping more. Um, so the problem statement for me was when I say, okay, daddy going to nap and mm-hmm. I go lay down, I would inevitably give up after probably, if I had any sense, I'd give up after 10 minutes, but sometimes, you know, I give up after an hour, which mm. is so frustrating. If you've ever had trouble falling asleep, especially at night, um, you know, at least at night you have the incentive to go, tomorrow's going to be horrible if I don't sleep right now. In the afternoon, it's the easiest thing in the world to abandon because you're like, ah, screw it. I've been sitting here. My mind is racing. My heart, I can feel my heart beating. There's no way that I'm going to get to sleep. And of course, now you've become the world's worst sleep coach (laughs) because you are talking yourself (laughs) into being terrible at something. Yeah. And I I can't even tell you how long this took me from the point of first kind of realizing it to, as my friend Max says, operationalizing this observation mm-hmm. into something useful. And, and the observation is this, <laughs> that's not like purred happily, but the, uh, the observation is this, that uh, when I would try to fall asleep and I could feel my heart and I would feel anxious and I would feel, let's be honest, like I suck at napping. I have no business napping. I'm not good at this. 
I would just have all these racy thoughts and that would be enough to get me off the couch or the bed or the chair or whatever it was. Because that racing was my mind telling me, buddy, you're never, you're never going to nap. And, and sometimes I would if I was super crazy tired. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, all of those intrusive thoughts, all those unwanted negative feelings. And then, of course, see also second arrow, all of my bad feelings about the bad feelings would evidence in me not being able to take a goddamn nap. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, if we leave that sort of in situ, we look at that, I think that's a, that's a reaction that a lot of folks have to something. Um, I think you can, abs- you, you can choose to abstract that in any number of ways. Negative feelings happened, therefore I give up. Um, the way that I think I phrased it last week was that there, I have these fe- thoughts and feelings that I would prefer not to have that always necessarily precede my realization that I have failed and should give up. Does that sound right? Yes. Is that, does that, is that, I wonder if that's familiar to anybody who's listening. No, it's, that it's feeling, familiar to me, yeah. Sure. Like that feeling of, I have been trying to learn this musical instrument. I have not gotten better at it. If I have gotten better, it sure is not evidence in how I feel about my performance. All I know is I hate trombone or whatever. I hate guitar. I hate piano. I hate whatever it is because I have these negative feelings that tell me I should give up and then I give up. And uh, the thought technology that um, I arrived at that I'm now trying to figure out ways to adapt to other parts of life is, okay, here's the reframe. The reframe is before I thought, previously I thought that these are the negative thoughts and feelings that precede my acknowledging failure. And then over time, it, it, this is, I think the overtime part becomes important because it was only over time that I went, huh, that's weird. I seem to have a very similar progression of thoughts and feelings every time I attempt to do this. So if I uh, lay down on, uh, on the bed or the couch or the chair, mm-hmm. I can feel my heart. And then I start going, I, every, every unwanted thought starts coming into my head. Mm-hmm. Of, of like, as, as, as we said, the guy from Penny Arcade calls it chain worrying. Now I'm flustered. Now my, I can feel my heart even more. I'm now so tuned into how badly I'm doing at this. <laughs> right? Yes. yes. Over time, I came to realize that, wait a minute, isn't it interesting that there's always, a, almost always, a very similar progression to these thoughts and feelings and without going into too much detail, um, I guess the, the, the small exercise here is if you're somebody who has uh, seen something similar in your life, start noticing if you also have a similar uh, progression of these things. So, mm-hmm. oh, first comes the heartbeat. Oh, God, I can feel my heart. Great. No, no, no. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> relax, 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 relax. Okay, got to relax, got to relax. And you, lay there and you go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I've got prostate cancer. Oh, 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 my God. I, I don't look good, good in a beard. Or like whatever it is. Oh, someday everybody I know is going to die. Whatever, you know. Eh, it's Anna Karenina. <laughs> Everybody's different. <laughs> and the realization over a slow realization over such a long time was, you know, a lot of times if I become aware of this and I start realizing this progression, I realize that I have a set of thoughts and feelings that tend to go, an array of these that tend to go in the same order, whether I fall asleep or not. The act of me going and saying, I'm going to go take a nap right now, Mm -hmm. 
leads to this these same thoughts and feelings in the same order every time. And isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. Anytime that I notice that I have the same exact, like you'll go through a thought process, you'll come to a conclusion, you'll say, I remember having this exact same thought process. And it's not deja vu or anything. It's like, I came to this conclusion about where I should put the vitamins like before. I've done this before. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think you, you're getting at something that, that's a crucial, um, often unacknowledged part of this sort of unconscious behavior. And, and this is very much a second era thing, which is, mm-hmm. oh boy, I don't want that feeling again. I sure didn't like that feeling. Um, I didn't like the feeling and the thought. I didn't like the feelings nor the thoughts. And I also didn't like the fact that I failed. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't like that I feel bad about how I failed. So God almighty, why would I ever try this again? if I'm going to have to go through this pain over and over again. Right. I think that's kind of what we're, we're both getting at here. And so the thing that I have learned over time to operationalize is, isn't it interesting that I have these same thoughts each time? The way that I phrased it last week, and I will repeat here is, hmm, here comes that feeling again. Or here comes that thought again. Mm-hmm. Here comes that feeling and that thought that always precedes success or failure. What if I try to reframe that as the part I just need to get through before I succeed? And what if I, instead of seeing those, instead of rehearsing, yeah. So that was the idea is like, instead of rehearsing that these thoughts and feelings are what will always prevent me from being good at this thing, even if it's something as trivial as napping. What if I say instead, well, this is just, this is just the sucky part that I go through where I eventually get to sleep to a point where I'm, I am in no way trying to trivialize this because I'm racked with anxiety all the time. I could apply this in a million different places and probably should. The, the point that I'm trying to share with our listeners that I think is worth thinking about is that if you search uh, other parts of your life, you're going to discover that pattern having been solved or solving itself, or you're having solved it in various other ways. Things like, for example, deciding that you would like to, you think about Rocky Balboa. Okay. When he realizes he's got to drop some LBs, he's got to get up in the morning, he puts on the radio, he puts a bunch of eggs in a glass and drinks it. And in, and in that movie, one of the great scenes, I feel like, is when he's out for his first pre-dawn run. Yeah. It's so early. He's so tired. He's so out of shape. But he's motivated. He's very motivated to do, you know, trained for this fight with Apollo Creed. So the music plays and he's out there and he is hurting. Everybody remembers the scene where Rocky runs up the steps and the kids are running with him, right? Yes. Everybody remembers that scene. Do you equally remember him barely being able to get up the steps? Yes. That's not the scene that, that's not the scene that people talk about. It's the one where he's in shape and victorious. You know, you know, uh, Luke Skywalker uh, used to bullseye womp rats, you know, back on Tatooine. <laughs> uh-huh. And now he's got to try to get this into this uh, extremely poorly designed, you know, uh, two meter hole. Sorry, I said hi. And, and so, and so but, but, but he does it. We remember that. Um, and, and so what I'm saying here is look, look to other parts of your life where you were both of those Rockies title. On the one hand, you were the Rocky who could barely get the eggs down before you went outside and practically passed out trying to just get out the door. Right. All the way to eventually maybe becoming the Rocky who has uh, the slow motion run up the steps two at a time. 
Yes. Boy, I, I haven't seen that movie in years and I still you feel remember like I it remember very it very well. It so actually. clearly. Nice. I feel like I remember his, his screen door slamming maybe when he goes outside. Wow. That was a really good movie. Um, but the, um, how does that apply here? It applies here because I'm, 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 I'm way over discussing this, uh, way over explaining this because I feel like this is very subtle. We're working on something very subtle here. Um, when we are affected or when we feel like we've been inflicted with negative thoughts and feelings, the very the first thing that any of us feel, I think, any sort of untrained mind like mine would go, I need to make this go away right now. Mm-hmm. The pain that I feel, um, what does my wife call it? Getting a stitch. Like when you're running, you're rocky and you're running and you get that, remember that getting that pain in your side when you have to yeah. run in gym yep. class, you get a yep. stitch. Mm-hmm. And like, I okay, I better stop running because this sucks. Or, you know, uh, maybe, I, maybe, maybe I could do this at 11 a.m. instead of 5 a.m. Maybe that'll have the feelings be not as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, what, if, what, if I, what if I were able to take this little realization about falling asleep and apply it to other parts of my life? Um, because, because it's entirely human and natural to not want to feel pain and to not want to feel negativity and to try and reject those. But as we all learn, I think eventually that that's, that ends up being an unsuccessful strategy for improving life is that, you know, making the feeling go, go away does not necessarily improve the situation. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it can lead to patterns of procrastination that can be virtually deadly. Um, I don't want to overstate it, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of where, where I am with this is just, I, I wanted to put that in front of listeners. I want to talk about this with you. Are there other opportunities in life? Have we, have I clearly stated how the sleep thing works Yes. and what's different instead of saying this horrible feeling that I hate is the thing that makes me have to get up because I'll never sleep. What if I just see that as part of the process? I don't like it this way. I would not prefer it this way. Mm-hmm. But I know that however my busted ass mind operates, I know that I am going to have to get through this little difficult part before I get to the part where I do sleep. And maybe some days I won't have that, and that's fine. But most days I will have those feelings. And, and so how do I start trying to reframe that kind of thing as, and the way I think I said it last week was, rather than seeing these as thoughts and feelings that necessarily precede or indicate my imminent failure, what if instead I see those as the necessary array or cascade of mm-hmm. negativity that I have to pass through? It's just a stage. It's like a stage in your process. That's that's once that's passed through, then you can get to the important part. Yes, and I mean, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to make you know everything about everything, but I think this very much goes for stuff like writing. I think it goes for stuff like, as I said last week, it goes for stuff like performance or public speaking. I think one thing that makes writing so difficult, getting especially getting started with writing, uh, as you know, this is this is covered by all the greats. You know, all the, all those books about writing that I really like all kind of say the same thing. The phrase um, "get ready for a cuss" here, real quick. What Annie Lamont has called the first draft, which mm-hmm. is that you go into that process knowing this will suck. The point is not for this to be good. The point is for this to exist. That is a huge reframing yeah. of your entire approach to this particular. Uh, art or avocation is that is that it, it will be that kind of first draft because it's always that kind of first draft and there's nobody who's ever written anything 
that didn't cut out a bunch of terrible stuff or just throw out an entire one, two, three drafts before they realized what it was that they were talking about, before they realized what they're doing. My advice to people who are starting a podcast, as Mm -hmm. some folks know, my advice is to record at least two, maybe five episodes until you have two or three episodes that you like. Now you have a show. Giving it a name and getting it, uh, getting a fireside account, God bless it, and getting that up on Apple Podcasts does not a good podcast make. A A good podcast make comes from realizing what the show is. And that, that takes time. And it takes a certain amount of courage is way too strong a word, but a certain amount of courage <laughs> to be able to um, get through all the, all the signals your brain is trying to send you that you are hopeless. And right, right. so I'm, I'm not encouraging people to go out and seek pain. Do not be like John Roderick, unless that's how you like to roll. But I do think there's something valuable in realizing that those signals sometimes lead us the wrong way. It makes us too risk averse. It makes us too fearful Mm-hmm. of pain and discomfort. And it makes us too spooked about our own interior world. And that's that's a bad place to be. As somebody with anxiety, I can tell you that fear of one's interior world can be very menacing because you're, that's always going to be there. That, that's never not going to be there. So right. what are you going to do about it? Right. Um, and that's where I think the exercise might be useful. Can you think of other areas where a similar practice might be useful? You know, when you talk about your, your inner world, it always makes me think about the, the, I know this is a little different from what you're asking, but it's something I don't know if we've talked about very much or we haven't talked about for a while, which is that internal narration that happens, which is kind of an understood thing, I think, for a lot of people. And it's that, you know, it's not so much that you're talking to yourself as much as there is that inner voice, that narration of that speaking to you, the same one that if you're trying to fall asleep and you're not, that's saying you're never going to fall asleep, dude. You know, just if this isn't going to work, you know, and it's not, it's not necessarily your own consciousness. It's this other kind of thought that's going along. I love with, that. I love that idea of narration. Like it's, it's, there's, there's the self-talk or voice in your head of talking to yourself. Right. But like, oh man, like, we got to do this thing. But no, this is like a lower level than that. Right. But or, yeah, but I love that idea of the narrator. It's like, you know, um, here he is, you know, uh, <laughs> 18th, 18th hole. Right. Cinderella boy. Tears Cinderella in his boy. Eyes, I guess. Tears in his eyes, I guess. Oh, that's a big, big hit of the llama. But anyway, you, that, that kind of narration where you're like, well, here go here goes Dan, and he's sucking hard. Yeah, he should give up, put the club back into the bag, and walk away. You yeah. learn a lot about that voice when you are if you're if you meditate, if you do mindfulness meditation. Oh God, yes, thank you, yes, perfect. And that, and that voice is something that I remember when I first started. You know that that voice becomes very very loud. It becomes, in fact, it can become. The only thing. And um, I remember listening to our friend Gil talking about this and um, and he would say that eventually that voice, you can you can quiet that voice. And it, it in fact, it doesn't have to be there and it can go away. And the idea that, you know, because a lot of the time that voice isn't isn't your friend. It's not telling you good things. It's not telling you anything useful. It's it's 
keeping you from reaching your goals, whatever your goals are. And it, it, it can be a thing that you have to fight against on top of the thing you're already fighting against. Right. So if you're yes. trying to learn the piano yes. and it's hard to learn the piano, on the one hand, you're trying to learn the piano, which is hard. But then you've got this second thing that's making it harder, which is this little voice saying <laughs> you couldn't even play that. What are you doing trying to learn piano? Oh, this is going to take forever. There's something good on TV right now. I wonder when that time we were in Little League, if we would have run faster, if we would have caught that ball. And you're like, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be focusing on my breath right now. Right, right, right. Sorry about I that. Su- I suck at this. I should stop forever. Right. right. And it is possible to quiet that voice or make it go away. And and But that is something that really clicked for me when you were talking about that inner world, because that to me, that's the biggest part of that inner world that we're all dealing with. And it's not enough that we're already trying to do something that's hard. We now have this this stupid narration going on talking about how bad we are or how good we are or whatever. But in any case, it's not necessary. It's not helping Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It made me think of that while you were. Oh, while you like were describing you, I mean, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I didn't realize the uh, the Franz doll in the room. I mean, you're absolutely right. That is maybe the the canonical example, and we we both talked at length about this. Me in particular, talking about why I've stopped meditating in the past because I realized I was bad. Let me let me um, pivot that just a little bit. Uh, as you may know, at least as I know. I don't like games very much in general. I've finally gotten to a point in life where I'm okay saying I just, games are not a fun thing for me. Um, but if they were a fun thing for me, I would play a lot more video games. Mm-hmm. But let's just, let's say, wow, everybody, everybody sure likes video games. Uh, I should play, I don't know, J random video game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to sit down. I got the controller. It's all charged up. I'm ready to go. I got my headphones on, Bluetooth pairing. That was a pain in the ass. But here I go. Ready to go. Ready to, ready to go video game. Here I go. Uh, did I win yet? And uh, and so the narrator goes, uh, no, you not only haven't won yet, you haven't really figured out how to play this game. And then I say to the narrator, well, don't, don't be an asshole. Like, yeah. let me win. Why, why haven't I won yet? And the the narrator says, well, uh, you understand that the reason that you're playing this game is to try and... you Anybody who comes into this video game understands that it is going to be a test of skills and a an exercise in learning, and you're going to lose a lot, and that's the point of the game. To which I say to the narrator, <laughs> oh, come on. And the narrator says, no, no, that's what makes it a game. If you got to instantly dunk on the final boss, that would not be a game. Right. I mean, that's more like an Archie Archie Digest comic you bought from Scholastic Books. That's not that's not a game. The game <laughs> yeah, is the part yeah. where you're this is this is the game. This is this. That's that's uh, Robert De Niro says. Um, you know what I mean? Like that's I mean, how hilarious would it be if I if I said to myself, Wow, it's so frustrating to me that they won't let me just win this video game when the video game and my narrator both tell me, No, dummy, the game is the playing, the game is the losing. That's why you're here. Crazy idea, right? But like, right. what if what if we apply something similar in life that we would apply to not sucking at meditation, to sucking less at video games, and to God willing having the ability to occasionally take an effing nap? Like, what if that is the game? And what? And you know what? You know what? What if it is a game? What if it's something where the stakes are not as high as it seems? What if I'm actually not in uh, imminent danger of getting shadowed by Colossus or whatever? Like, what if what if I actually am? 
what if I am able to look at this and the same way we talk about meditation, turn, turn these ideas, these thoughts and these feelings, turn them over in my hand mm-hmm. mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, how does that, how does that change the way that we would approach um, achieving success and not being daunted by the specter of failure? The specter of failure. Specter of failure. Uh, okay, you got that one? Got and then it. after that, why don't you tell me about something that you like? I would love to tell you about our friends over at Squarespace. Love the Squarespace. It's a great service. I mean, there's not, <clears throat> there really isn't much you can say uh, beyond that. I don't know why we even have to do this spot. It's great. Just say the word Squarespace. That's all we should do. Just say Squarespace and then be silent for like 10 seconds. Yes. And that concludes the ad. But they want us to say stuff about it. Wow. So I'll do that's, that's I'll so, do it. So as they say, uh, thirsty, Dan. It's very thirsty that they want us to keep talking about it. That is where someone takes an Instagram photo of themselves without a shirt on or something. Hmm. Isn't that right? Isn't that thirsty? Isn't that what that is? Are you talking about a thirst trap? Like a honey pot. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So you're trying to get like uh, rogue state hackers to check out your pecs. Right, something like that. Sure, you why not? Squarespace. You could have a blog or publish other kinds of content. You could have a gallery. Yeah, you can. Uh, you can uh, sell uh, sell virtually any kind of items right from your site. You could. Uh, uh, memory serves, Dan. You could promote, you know, your physical or online business. You could mm-hmm. promote a new project that you're doing. Yeah, you know, they got uh, they got uh, you know, beautifully designed uh, templates. Yes, uh, twenty four by seven uh, support if you need it. <laughs> ask me if i'm reading this are you no you're not it's all just from memory what about e-commerce you mentioned e-commerce can they i customize anything? e-commerce functionality this is free and secure hosting with nothing to patch or upgrade ever you how know, many so clicks get, does it take to customize the look and feel one a two three <laughs> that's it three that's it <laughs> mr owl <laughs> so if i were starting a new business is this yes. something i would want okay okay all right what if I had a dream and I wanted to create something? Would I go if here? you If you will it, it is no dream. Yes. <laughs> what you're going to do is go to the URL that Dan says in a minute. It's your show. Yes, it is. It's your show. Squarespace. Squarespace. It's your show. You're going to go there. You're going to sign it. You're going to sign. You're going to sign on the line that is dotted. And that's going to get you a free trial. And when uh, you're ready to, um, to go live, you just uh, use that very special offer code. It's your show. And, and their, uh, their plans start at only uh, $12 per month, which is hardly any money at all. For a website, that's nothing. Dan, they're encouraging folks to make it. Make it themselves. Build make it, it Make it Make it stand out. Make it stand out. Make it beautiful. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so give one last time. Say, say it twice and it's almost like praying. Where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? They are going to go to squarespace.com slash it's your show. Mm-hmm. And the offer code it's your show will save them 10% off their first purchase of a website or a domain. Over 200 domain name extensions. That's a lot. That's a lot. You want to, why don't we just read them off? Let's start. Okay. All right. No, Let's kidding. see. You got uh, dot llama. Dot <laughs> Is intervene. there a dot llama? There's a dot limo, but no llama. Dot, dot dash. Is there a dot dash? That'd be pretty cool. That would dot be dash. cool. Yeah. Um, our thanks to Squarespace. Thank you, Squarespace. Five by five and back to work. I care. John Syracuse. I care. I care. I care. I do that. I care. (sighs) Yeah. People keep moving my leather, man. 
Like you'll put it down, you come back, it's gone. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I, I, uh, I you know, sometimes the classic is the scissors. Yeah, I'm gonna go a little bit. I'm gonna go a little bit bomb back. Deal with it. Sometimes you know there are scissors, and then there are no scissors. It's a lot like that's that Donovan song, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 then um, sometimes my wife will go in and do a deep clean of my daughter's room and find nine pairs of scissors. Nine pairs nine of scissors. Pairs. Nine times. Oh, and where where the tape go? Wherever you left it, sweetheart. And that's oh. what, s- piles of scissors and scotch tape. <sighs> Just so. We can't. Where's the scotch tape? I don't know. I don't know where it is. Where did you? Oh, you were know you what? a messy like, kid? Did you leave stuff out? Leave stuff around? Are you Are you asking me that question? Yeah. Here's the two things everybody knew about me because it's always two things. It's always with you. two things with me. Here's the two things everybody knew about me. Okay. I was a smart kid whose grades were brought heavily down. Mm. by poor handwriting it always dragged my grade down and it was Me a source of shame in my family Me too. my handwriting my handwriting was so bad so psycho um and the other thing that people knew about me was that my room was a biohazard Ugh. it was really re- it was like a fire trap it was so bad it made my mom so sad and i'm I sad hearing it. about it yeah well, it's a bummer i mean we didn't have a huge house um no. but um it was enough for me to make a mess. Yeah, it was like that. And, and it's funny because now, more than ever, um, I treasure the ability to control an area. And, and, and so much has changed. I just, I, I spend to, so much time like just, just cleaning a thing. I, I, do, I have a ritual now where I like, I clean my office every Friday afternoon, including like mopping the floors. <laughs> it's like a whole thing that I do. And it makes me feel good to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wasn't it, right. um, you were talking about Mike Montero, how at the end of the day, yes. they would go around and, and, and check everything in like an OCD way that you admired. I did admire that because I mean, I, uh, I admire a lot about it. I, I think it was just funny though. The funniest part was being in the room with him. Cause he seemed to be in kind of a trance when he would just walk around adjusting things and throwing things away. And, yeah. and he ran that joint. I mean, it's a partnership. It's a whatever, but like, you know, he's one of the two, I believe at the time, uh, co-owners of this design firm. Yeah. And he would be doing what we used to call scut work. Like he was walking around, like tidying up everybody else's mess, doing all the dishes, doing all the trash, um, and just slightly adjusting things to be the way that he wanted. And I, I admired that because it was, first of all, it's cool. I, I, I like anybody who grabs a, a broom, you know, don't talk about it. Just go do it. Just, just go do it. Shut up about pick it. Up the, shut up about it. Just pick up. If it's trash, pick it up. Jerk. No, you're not going to get a medal, but just make the world a little bit better by bending over. Jesus. I know. That was great. But also I admired the sort of ritualistic part of that. I think having rituals for things can be very valuable. Certainly they can become extremely silly and Byzantine. Mm. You don't want to have to have a ritual no. That takes two hours to get going in the morning or two hours at the end of the day. But if it's something that's beneficial uh, to your work, I bet you it also ends up being beneficial to your non-work, which is now you are, uh, we've talked about all kinds of rituals like this, where I'm now choosing to make a transition from one thing to another. That's such a great phrase to learn when we first were fixing to have a kid talking about transition times, right? Like the, the transition times are tough for kids. It's tough to go from awake to nap back to the sleep. It's tough to go from nap to awake. It's tough to go from, you know, 
uh, playtime to bath, from bath to bed, whatever it is. All those transitions are difficult. And once you realize how difficult those things are for a baby or a toddler, you also must accept that they are also difficult for adults. Yeah, really. <laughs> but like when you, you're queuing uh, the classic, I was reminding Roderick of my old trick of uh, when I first had a kid, as soon as I could see my house, I'd take out my uh, headphones, take off my headphones. That, that, that was the, the final transition into being a dad at home was that when I left the office, I would take off my headphones as soon as I could see my house. And mindfully, I would, and then, I mean, to be honest, it's corny, but then I'd take out my phone and look at the picture of my baby, my uh, family's baby. <laughs> it's not my baby. I only had a very small role. <laughs> you know, you know what they say? Uh, the, the chicken is involved, but the pig is committed. You know, <laughs> you don't eat, you don't eat that all at once. <laughs> you know. But, you know, that's that sounds like a silly life hack thing. But truth is, d- bundling up my AirPods with that cool life hacker trick where you make the rock and roll horns and then you wrap them around. I'm looking at the picture of my kid. I'm putting away my earphones. And I know now it's time to go be dad at home. I think those kinds of uh, rituals can be very valuable, you know. And just because I'm in that sort of mood today, it's it's not – it's a kind of a a more gracious and useful version of those thought repetitions that we were talking about earlier, that you, mm-hmm. the, the negative ones tell you you're failing, but could it also be that like, almost like a superstition, like, you know, like a rally beard or something like that. It's almost like a superstition where you say, well, you know, we'll see what happens tonight. hope it's good. Might be bad, but I do know that I'm here for it. Not in the millennial way of uh, this is everything I'm here for this, but no, I'm literally here for this. Like mm-hmm. I am, this is, I exist to be in this moment and do whatever is needed of me. And I can't do that if I'm trying to argue with somebody on the internet, no matter how much they want it yeah. right now. Even, let's be honest, no matter how much I want it right now, because believe me, you won't even know what a pile of dust you are until I'm done with you. <laughs> and I could really use the exercise. <laughs> I would I would love, I would just, I would, right, I'm, you got me on the wrong day. You are this month's victim. You're going to be the civilian that I grind under my heel in front of all of your friends. And, um, and I would love to do that, but I, I can't because I got to go be a dad. And that's hard for both of us. And it's probably better we didn't do that anyway, because who wants to be dust or make dust? That's not fun. No. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to grow I as did. a person, Dad. No, I hear it. I'm, I'm... Yeah. Um, the rituals of that stuff. But um, maybe one thing, to, uh, this makes me think of something else that, I, uh, that is kind of related to the Mike Montero thing. You know, we talked about, uh, or at least I feel like I've talked a lot about how I don't like New Year's resolutions because blah, 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 a million reasons. Uh, the, the thing I want to talk about real quickly before we ditch is um, infrastructure. Okay. Uh, um, where, again, with, with New Year's resolutions, I say, you know, um, I always feel like one reason those tend to not... Well, now we're back to the, the muscle of failure, right? Because if New Year's resolutions worked, we wouldn't need them, Right. We only keep forcing ourselves to go back through to like crawl on the broken glass of our dreams because it's January. Yay, it'll work this time. <laughs> I'm going to lose 700 pounds and develop a supersized brain. No, you're not because you're not. I mean, if you were going to do that, you would have already done it. You have rehearsed that failure for such a long time. And I'll bet you dimes to donuts that you have not established the infrastructure that you need to not ensure success, but to provide for success. Mm. So here's one. Here's an infrastructure thing that makes me think of uh, uh, the great Mike Montero. Uh, I, you, your house is probably immaculate like it always is. Our house has never been more of a pigsty. It's so hard to even like stay on top of the dishes. There's just, there's, and there's so much 
clutter and kipple. And that's frustrating to me. I, I, that, the, that visual clutter just triggers my, the worst aspects of my ADHD. Mm-hmm. When, I, when, I, when I walk at seven o'clock at night, I just cannot handle a, a place where I have to pay attention to every step that I make so that I don't get legoed. And um, but you know what helped? Here's the simplest, <laughs> dumbest thing, dumbest conceivable thing. Instead of me going, Meh, you know what I could do? I could go and grab a grocery bag, like a paper grocery bag with handles yeah, and bring it into the room. And now I have one job. <laughs> you had one job. My one job is to locate anything that I can pick up with my hands and put into that bag that is garbage. And so I turn on the, the uh, Terminator heads up display comes on and I flip it into detect garbage mode. And I say, okay, straw from soy milk, uh, you know, uh, drawing kid doesn't want anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Big pile of um, Amazon packaging stuff, whatever that is. And then my job in that moment, my job one for me is to simply mostly fill one grocery bag. And it's so remarkable how slightly better the room looks after filling even just one grocery bag with trash. How long did that take? That took two minutes. It took two minutes, but the two minutes never would have happened if I had not grabbed the bag and brought it into the room. That's infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Infrastructure is, I could sit and look at all this trash and wonder how it's going to get out of my house, or I could introduce the admittedly primitive infrastructure of a paper bag. And you go and you fill that. I mean, take that pattern and apply that, and suddenly a lot of insurmountable problems start to feel a little bit more doable. You're not going to clean up your entire neighborhood till you pick up one piece of trash. And that's, I don't know, that, that feels important to me. No, it so does. Like and, it, and, and I think I just want to add to that. And I want to say yeah. that there is a, there is something I've gotten good at um, over the years that I find is what I thought something everyone did, but I think is not something everyone does. And that is... Um, being able to see a problem, not a problem, have a goal and be able to break that goal down into the smaller components. Mm -hmm. And that's something that for me has always come pretty easily. If someone were to say, and the the best example would be to say, Oh, let's you know, building a house. I've never built a house uh, myself, but you would say, wow, that, that seems like an incredibly daunting, impossible project that would be something I could never undertake. Or how about let's make it a little easier instead of building a house, um, you know, giving a house a makeover, doing it over, you know, I, I don't, I don't hate building a house because I can already say before you start building anything, did you acquire the land? Right. And that's the thing is like, you, you don't have any land. You can't build a house. You and that start might be what's very, you up. very, very basically, very simply. And you have to break it down into its individual tasks. So the first task would be like identifying an area where you might want to get land. Can you, can you do that? Could you drive around and look at plots of land? Yes, I could do that. Okay. And then you skip forward to the point where you're actually, you know, and, and, and redoing a house or even breaking it down into a smaller project. Like one time I wanted to redo uh, the 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 front patio, front porch that I had in my house. It was mm-hmm. 1940s house. It was a small, you know, maybe it was a eight by eight square front porch patio type situation. And it was it was wood. And 
a long time ago, they had put down some kind of clear coat on the wood that was all worn and peeling off. And I thought, okay, you know what? I want to redo this. And the idea of redoing it sounds like a big project. And it, mm-hmm. it was a pretty big project. I did it all by myself. And, and there was a lot of work that went into it. But if you break it down into the individual tasks, it it's really doesn't seem that daunting. It seems daunting to say, oh my, how am I going to redo this whole thing by myself? But if you say, well, you know, can can I... Uh, can I put paint a chemical down that will peel up the thing? Can I do just that? Yes, I, mm-hmm. I, I know I can do that. Can I sand it? Well, sure, I can sand it. You know, and you walk through all the different steps. But unless you're really able to break it down into those individual pieces or components, it's going to look very daunting. It's going to look impossible. It's going to look like something that you just sa- simply can't accomplish it. And I hear this all the time. Like my mom is moving uh, back to Austin and, you know, she talks about all oh, the move. It's so daunting when I think about it. There's so much going on. There's so much I'm going to have to do. And I said, right. When you think about it all at once, it's like impossible for you to to take in. It's impossible for you to really envision and imagine how will you possibly do all of this stuff. But if you break it down simply and say, could you go through you know, your sock drawer and decide if you want to keep all the socks, you know, yeah, I can, I can do that. And that kind of leads to all of the, the smaller steps that you have to complete. If you look at them one at a time, if you face them day by day, just like you're saying, you know, can I start by picking up one piece of trash or washing one dish? If you just start there, then there's a momentum that starts to carry you. And that momentum is also, what you, will, you did just get started, which is, right. and I say that not as a negative, I say that as a positive, Hey, you just got started. That's you just right. did a thing that hadn't been done yesterday. Correct. It's a little thing. Correct. Yeah, Dao De Jing, uh, the famous quote. Um, uh, Is that how you right. say that? Uh, I, I have never pronounced any words. I think correct. that might be it. Okay. Uh, I am so embarrassed every time I order dinner, and I, I know I'm saying, I'm not even going to try to say it, the kind of uh, pork dim sum that I like. I know mm. I say it wrong every time, because mm-hmm, when they mm-hmm. read it back to me, it's slightly different. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Yeah, you like that. Yep. Yeah, it's cliche, but it's it's true. I mean, you know, there's that um, mostly discredited idea that we should take ten thousand steps a day. You take ten thousand steps a day, buddy. Like you you can't get to step ten thousand until you've taken step one. Right. And and you know, but also you're you're also getting at this this huge piece of project management that can be so beneficial to everybody up to a point which is that we, we have to analyze, let's say we have a desired result. And so the desired result could be renovate house, but a better desired result might be fix the sun porch by July. Right. I like that because I, I, I think when you're doing a project like that, a specific outcome and a deadline doesn't hurt. Well, I'm here to tell you, first of all, it's not going to happen. You're not going to get it done by July. I, I don't even I don't even have to measure the coastline of Scotland to tell you there's no way, unless unless your desires for the sunroom are extremely meager, that's not going to happen. I can already tell you that your project triangle is a little bit screwed. But having said that, whatever the plan is, you do need the specificity of the desired outcome. If it's too mushy or ambiguous of an outcome, then it's we're on, we're not going to know which part of the elephant we're holding, right, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. the camel or whatever kind of animal you like to touch. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> But on the other hand, you don't want to be over specific, right? Because 
there's going to be an element of us figuring out this what this thing is as we go along. See, also podcasts. If I say this is going to be a podcast where I do A, B, C, D, E, I record 10 episodes and they all suck, well, then I wasn't listening to my own progress as, I, as that show developed. So this is an almost a seemingly impossible balance of things we're trying to do here, which is to be like very clear about the desired outcome, to be uh, unflinching about realizing what the big parts are, but then also not getting so wound up in the tiny parts that you never get anything accomplished. Right. That's, it's such a, uh, such a black art uh, to be able to get good at that. And, uh, and if you're a project manager, it makes you a karma suck. Let's be honest. <laughs> you, all you see is problems, but that has to, you have to offset the, um, what's the phrase they use in investing? Irrational exuberance. Oh. The irrational exuberance of the biz dev uh, fella. And it is a fella. The irrational exuberance of that beehole is going to need to be offset by the practicality and advocacy of somebody saying, well, wait a minute, we got to protect our, our people, not have them work on a, a costly and unprofitable rat hole and not disrupt all the other things we need to do. So it's this constant kind of high wire act to do anything mm -hmm. like that. With all that said, I, I really super agree with you that, I mean, you could even look at it as something like, think about a family project. Think about like getting ready for Christmas. Well, there's certain things we know we're going to do. We know there will probably at some point be a green plant in our house with lights on it. That's good to know. Should we get a live plant or a dead plant? Should we get a plant that was never alive because it's plastic? Should the lights on, on the plant already be included? I don't know. We could work that out, but let's just call this area tree. This area is going to be tree things. Tree, we're going to need a tree stand. We're going to need a tree skirt. Well, where are the ornaments? Do we know where the ornaments are? Etc. And you walk through all of these steps, and then you also then then that starts to reveal itself as something close to a series of initial steps, and and this is where I used to get extremely hung up when I was trying to write a book. Sorry, this is one of forty eight ways that I would get extremely oh, hung up right. trying to write a book. Right. The more that I would get frustrated with the um, writing, the actual drafting, the more tempting I found it to pop back up to the level of outlining. And once I realized I need to pop back up to the level of outline, there's nothing wrong with that unless, unless that popping up to the level of outlining now makes you go, hmm, should I get a new mind mapping app? Or should I do this on paper? Should I do an official <laughs> Tony Buzon mind map? Right, okay, right, I'm right. going to need new Pentel sign markers and a Bristol board, la, la, la. You know, I need to do all those things. Like, no, no, no. I need to just put, put glue on this. Uh, what's that guy say? The, the war of art guy. Like, you need to put glue on the chair and sit down and just keep writing until there's book. So I do feel like when we say it's a black art, it's that there is this combination of like, you do have to know when to hold them and fold them. And the best you can hope for is to die in your sleep. You do have to know <laughs> what modality you need to be in at a certain time. And when you are seeing diminishing returns from getting too wrapped around the axle on one aspect of the project. But um, anyway, the infrastructure part of that, I mean, I guess if there's anything to take away from all of this uh, meandering is that understand and accept that you do need infrastructure to whatever you're going to do. Let's play some of the greatest hits. This is like that Slim Whitman commercial where all the songs are going to go by on screen. The greatest hits of Back to Work. Um, you know, you're going to need stuff like the, the tools, the basic tools that are required to accomplish what you're doing. That doesn't mean the best tools. It doesn't mean all of the tools. It doesn't mean that your project is now about tools. It means that you're going to need the tools to get what you want, mm -hmm. to do what you need. Um, a classic again, if you're, if you want to run in the morning, put out your gear the night before, make sure everything is ready, charged, whatever it needs to be, your headlamp is ready, whatever it is, that's all ready to go. 
Rocky would have succeeded more if he had a headlamp, let's be honest. And also your eggs. <laughs> and then uh, and then again, if you wanna if you wanna eat better, you, you need to not only stop buying potato chips or whatever your shame food is, you need to throw away the extant shame foods in your house. All the things you don't want to put in your body anymore need to leave before you undertake the change in diet. Right. All of those things, that's all infrastructure. It all is, it so, all seems so brain dead stupid. I but, just want to, I just want to add, I, I love what you're saying there. And I think your example of uh, potato chips or, or getting some kind of food like that, because a lot of people will say, I don't have the willpower to not snack in the evening when I'm watching my, my Netflix show. Mm-hmm. That's not where you need to exercise the willpower. Yeah, it's too Exercise late. It's too the willpower that, right? in the grocery store. That's where you're making strong choices because when you get home and there's jicama instead of potato chips, you're going to eat the jicama and you're fine. <laughs> well, I mean, here's another, as long as we're, I'll piggyback, piggyback onto that. Yeah. Um, a, a, a funny joke in my house that's true is that I never eat fruit. I'm not a fruit fan. I'm a savory no. man. I like yeah. to put savory things in my face. I'm not a fruit fan, not a vegetable fan per se, but here's where I am really like a little kid. Um, even more than my little kid when she was a little kid. Mm-hmm. I went, I'm like a, a little kid in the sense of if somebody cuts up the food for me and puts it in a bowl. Oh yeah, you'll eat it all day long. I'll eat it up yum. Yeah, same. Oh, it's all gone now. That was food a minute ago and now it all lives in daddy. That's all in me. That goes in my face. Give me, give me all of that. Take yeah. out the melon. Give me the pineapple. No time to argue. So, but that's really true. And if like, there's nights where we have, we have all these theme nights. This is super dorky, but we have all these theme nights, uh, that we've done for a long time. Of course there's sausage night, there's potato night. Oh, I thought you were Um, talking like Phantom of the Opera or Star Trek or somewhere I'll dress up. Where we all do cosplay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's how I am. Josh Gad's, uh, have you been seeing his reunion things on YouTube where he gets cast back together? The one for Lord of the Rings is really, really cute. It's really fun. Um, but in that instance, so we have theme nights and, uh, you could have a, you could have a, let's have, let's have breakfast for dinner night. Let's, mm-hmm. you could have, like I say, potato night, which is a MacGuffin meal, which is not an egg muffin, but a MacGuffin meal. <laughs> the MacGuffin meal is that everybody make baked potatoes. Plus I, I make steak. So oh. basically steak is the side potatoes. The main <laughs> dish. We make a potato bar. Everybody gets to make their own baked potato. All the fixings. We have other ones. We have one that's uh, all appetizers night, which is kind of like a charcuterie sort of thing where we just make a bunch of stuff that somebody will like. Because we have all these funny dyads in our house of two people like this thing, one person does it. Mm. Oh, yeah, we have a lot of that. But back to the original topic here, that's okay. That's not a problem. That's just a fun game. The fun game is, well... Emma and dad really like Popeye's fried chicken and mom should not know that we even got the Popeye's fried chicken. That's, that's, that is a gracious diet. The two of us chowing down on some beans and rice. Mom don't need to know. No. Now mom and dad like Indian food and Emma Lord does not like Indian food. So we accommodate that. Do you follow? Like, I I, I don't know. It's like, that's a, that's a fun video game to me is like, if it's going to be all appetizers night, well, there's stuff we all like. And then sometimes we have, we have a night called, it's similar to potato night, called all sides. And so you just make all the sides that everybody likes. And like, that's a meal. But in all these instances, you know, it's not difficult. It's not costly. Um, we're, we're, we're just making a fun thing. And for the charcuterie nights though, man, I chow down on foods I never eat any other time. Why? Because somebody who doesn't want me to die, cut it up for me. 
Somebody who doesn't want me like sitting in my own <laughs> filth gnawing on a leg of mutton. Had me the remote. I desire a different program. Stick a frog in my gaping maw. Anyway, this book uh, by Daniel Kahneman, Thinking Fast and Slow. Daniel Kahneman, just what do you say about Daniel Kahneman, man? He's like the freaking Ben Franklin of our time. He's so smart. We've talked about this book before on here, but like if, even if you're not like a big book reader, like I'm not the book reader I used to be, mm-hmm. faux shizzle, hearing an interview with Daniel Kahneman is so great. There's a really good, he's, uh, he's been on Freakonomics. He's been interviewed by Michael Lewis. His book, Thinking Fast and Slow. So this is the guy who basically, <laughs> here's the log line on him. Um, so this is just, just for this book, summarizes the research that Daniel Kahneman conducted over decades, often in collaboration with Amos Tversky, uh, much respect. It covers all three phases of his career, his early days working on cognitive biases. Oh, by the way, have you ever heard of cognitive biases? That's Daniel Kahneman. Uh, his work on oh, prospect he, he, theory. He came up with that's that? That's him. He's, he's the, he's, I don't, I'm not going to say he invented that, but there's so many things that we think of in behavioral, um, social and behavioral economics that, that go back to Tversky and Kahneman. Anyway, a new paragraph. The central thesis of this book is a dichotomy between two modes of thought. Please listen closely. This is so important. The central thesis is a dichotomy between two models of thought. System one is fast, instinctive, and emotional. System two is slower, more deliberate, and more logical. The book delineates cognitive biases associated with each type of thinking, starting with Kahneman's own research on loss aversion. From framing choices to people's tendency to replace a difficult question with one which is easier to answer, the book highlights several decades of academic research to suggest that people place too much confidence in human judgment. Um... Boy, this guy's awesome. So thinking fast and slow, what does that mean? Well, here's a good example for you. Um, thinking slow, thinking, thinking fast is a way of going like, get the chips in my mouth. Where are they? Hickamo who? Thinking slow in some ways is the kind of more rational, like I'm going to plan ahead for this. I don't know if that's precisely correct, but we do have, you've heard me talk about uh, what, Evening Merlin or like Night Merlin and yeah. Day Merlin? Yeah, yeah. The one who, who gets all the Netflix movies with subtitles, but then wants to watch pillow fights once right. it's time to actually watch a movie at night. Right. Boy, if you, if you, if you could have the uh, courage and temerity to admit that there are at least two of you, the listener, mm-hmm. um, you would do so much better in life. Cause you get to go like, Oh, that was that dummy. <laughs> Here comes that dummy again. Mm-hmm. That's not going to stop me from success. No. I've read Daniel Kahneman. I speak English very well. <laughs> I learned it from a book. That's that's from uh, Faulty Towers. I haven't seen it. Oh, oh! You never seen Faulty Towers? No, that's For the really? one you I never haven't seen. The seen. episode, the episode called the Germans. You've never seen that? No, I've never seen that one. I'll tell you one thing. The I Brits never got. Right? You know, it's like a. F- yeah, I know. You a lost lot your of- window. You missed your window. It's like me and uh, Vigi Games. I, I can't go back and watch no. it now. It's too no. late, right? Well. See, I try to say that to Max, and he just yells at me for 45 minutes about how I don't understand video games. And I say, yeah, I know. That's why I, I have no interest. And he goes, yeah, but just because you don't understand them. Like, I remember and it's it an would, hour later, and I'm eating a mutton leg, and I don't know who I am. I remember, like, being in the late 70s, and I would, and this show would be on TV daytime. And I would, PBS. I would turn it on, and I would watch it, and I never understood it. I was too young to understand the humor it's in it. It's one of those shows that's... The phrase I would use when I was a kid was, why does, this, why does this TV show look like it's inside and that TV show look like it's outside? 
And then that evolved into they're using inside film or outside film. And then I eventually learned, oh, no, that's just the thing where when you shoot outdoors, by the nature of the lighting and what you can control, you shoot on film. When you shoot inside, you shoot on video. And that's why it looks so weird when the entire, all the interior shots are done on video. And then as soon as Basil goes outside to do something stupid, it's on film. Right. I that's know exactly what you're thing. talking about. It's and I, so confusing to your brain. Yes. And I, I didn't have a way, I didn't have the language, the vocabulary to articulate even the question. I would say to people, why is there inside film and outside film? <laughs> and they'd say, go clean your room. Yeah, but you're right. And that was something that now I'm thinking about it. That always used to be strange. You'd see mm. that, and then it was it, it. What it felt like was to me, like you had a sense that they were filming inside, and filming inside there would be the the laugh track, right? Mm-hmm. And so my impression as a, oh, a youngster, yeah, right, right, it would seem so artificial when they went outside. You right, could still hear the laughter. Like, like, like where's the audience? How could the audience? be seeing what was going on outside where he's driving in his car or walking out in front of the place. Yeah. And when clearly the audience is inside where they're seeing the stage and that's, <laughs> these people are up on the stage and performing and that all that right. put me off of things like that. I, I, I couldn't, I don't think I could, I could make peace with it in my mind. I had to reject it. All did that. I mean, you can even think about, I mean, think about all in the family and how the, Oh uh, yeah. Glenn Miller played the yes. exterior shots of Queens are yes. all in film. The interior shots are all in video. Dr. Who. Oh um, yes. Yes. Well, especially like one there. What's the classic one? Oh, I've always forget the name of this arc, but the one where they're in Paris with the Mona Lisa and actually John Cleese is in that episode with uh, Romana. Anyway, whatever that one has <laughs> huge amounts of film and huge amounts of video. And I think the budget was $6. <laughs> but boy, is that show good. Love number four. You know, you never, you never forget your first doctor. <laughs> I know you don't. Um, let's button this up. Okay. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man.